These people's lives are being transformed and they're being fit back into church life and yeah. they're thriving because of it. And yes, we, you know, it took us a lot of work to figure out like, what does it look like to train people and ask people to take time out of their week to, or month or year mm-hmm. to help yeah. someone who's suffering. But yeah. I think it's worth it. I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series devoted to interviewing pastors and professors from LFBI and across the Living Faith Fellowship. Uh, Therapy and psychoanalytic forms of counseling are a billion-dollar industry in the United States. Uh, There are millions of Christians every year who are looking for help with their emotional and behavioral problems from non-Christian counselors. Uh, These are people who have no biblical interest or spiritual insight and are, in fact, in many cases, uh, hostile to our faith. Even Christian counselors, though, are often not biblical in their approach and and sometimes encourage their counselees to deconstruct their faith and train them and teach them to deflect their issues back onto the church, uh, the church that maybe has loved them and, and cared for them over the years. Uh, but somehow the church becomes a problem. There's many Christian counselors uh, who, who practice these kinds of, of counsel. Uh, further, the counseling industry is propped up by an inherent perpetuation of counseling and doesn't have a moral framework for victory or resolution. In other words, uh, counseling as an industry itself is intended to self-perpetuate by keeping people kind of locked into uh, normalcy in their problems. And so there's no way out. There's no way of having absolute victory and reckoning uh, things uh, in their life and, and, and finding the resolution that they need. On today's podcast, we want to ask the question, what if the church reclaimed its responsibility to counsel the hurting people within their churches? What if the local church was trained and prepared to receive the hurting and no longer had to refer hurting people, people who are struggling with sin or emotional issues, uh, referring their congregants outside of the church to find help? On today's show, we've invited professional counselor and faculty professor of biblical counseling at Living Faith Bible Institute, Jonathan Kindler, to sit down with us and to have a conversation about what it looks like for the church to take back the role of counselor. And so with that, John, welcome. I'm here. Let's just get right into it. There's a lot to talk about today. There's a lot I want to cover. Really, the objective for today's show is to, to kind of empower churches to see that they can actually they can actually be the yeah. counselors that they need to be uh, for the people in their churches. Um, but how did we get here? Could, could you paint the picture for us a little bit about the history of counseling and how the church uh, came to a place where they were, were, were referring their mm-hmm. congregants outside of the church to go find help and, mm-hmm. and, and promoting or at least propping up or facilitating the, the huge industry of therapists mm-hmm. to just kind of encroach on their territory. Yeah, it is huge. And uh, well, the first thing that comes to mind is, is a scene in The Simpsons. Is that too irreverent? To no, reference? I, I, I think it's okay. <laughs> this, is, this is what comes to mind. I haven't seen the movie in a long time, but uh, there's this scene where, I, I don't know what was going on in the movie, but they were like dro- dropping like a uh, big glass dome over the city of Springfield. Okay, okay yeah. And so they're like zooming in on different people reacting to this and horror. And they shoot to this scene where it shows the church and the church is set right next to the bar and everybody from the church and the bar run out at the same time. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they all look up at this dome coming down over them and everyone that was in the church runs out and runs into the bar at the same time. Everyone in the bar runs into the church. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's yeah. such a, it's such a good like depiction of what unfortunately happens. I think when the church doesn't good, do a good job of discipling its people, mm-hmm. when hardship hits, we run to the world, you know, mm. and I think that's what's happened to uh, our churches in terms of counseling and shepherding our people as well. When we haven't discipled them, then we, they run to the world. And then when the culture started to shift, we started running, the church started running to the world as well. So mm-hmm. I think when, when, I, when I look back over the last century and like just looking at the history, I think it started with the breakdown of the family and, and that's where the church really started outsourcing to clinical settings. 
So the Industrial Revolution, um, it moved to people are moving into bigger communities. Uh, there were dual income homes. Now women were going into the workplace. Uh, there was rise of secularism and consumer culture. And individualism became this big thing. So you have kids that are uh, coming home from school and they're on their own and mm -hmm. people aren't going to church on Sundays. And yeah. it really broke down the family unit and the value of the church as it related to the family. Right, right. And so I think the, the church's reaction to that was to uh, try to be relevant, you mm -hmm. know, and so the whole church structure started to look towards marketing and numbers and at the same time, there was this push secularly for pop psychology. And mm -hmm. uh, so we have this new, um, you know, what they were offering as a, a new relevant. A completely uh, new industry. Yeah, for yeah. to replace what the church was already doing. And it's awful because I think that that's happened a lot where the church did minister to the community in a lot of ways that, you know, now uh, we don't. You know, mm -hmm. we've outsourced a lot of stuff. And so... Um, We've de-emphasized the importance of being established in the local church, and this prompts the church to drift away from biblical structure, and un unintentionally we lose um, our stewardship of our people. Mm. And, yeah. and unfortunately, when we've done that, it um, we um, we feel insecure in our ability to care for their mental, emotional, and spiritual needs. Mm -hmm. And I think most churches. Uh, of, of every denomination have witnessed and seen this and experienced this. Mm. Um, someone is hurting in a way that no one knows how to, or has time to address. And so uh, it's much simpler to refer them to Christian counselors. Mm -hmm. And so they, they, they feel better about it because it's a Christian counselor. Right. right? But, yeah. but we don't know what that means. Right. The same way people use the cr word Christian, you know, in culture and uh, uh, they wear a cross around their neck mm -hmm. on a gold chain, and we just assume that Christian is Christian is Christian, mm -hmm. and it's not. And uh, and so you know we we see church members sitting down with Christian counselors who are getting unbiblical counsel mm -hmm. because in those settings there actually isn't an authority. Um, there may be some sort of moral mm -hmm. uh, understanding or or guide or spiritual understanding or guide but it isn't biblical in nature. And so it's, that's, that's problematic as well. Yeah. With the good intentions, uh, send our people to someone we're hoping that can help them. But mm -hmm. that individual who's opened up their counseling practice may be a Christian themselves, but have, has no really real accountability or structure necessarily. And yeah. so it, it leaves a lot of opportunity for people to go adrift, you right. know? And so where there's no vision, you know, the people perish and that's what was happening. And there was this decline, you know, in our ability to, to rise to the occasion. And I think the main thing that, that just strikes me as a, as a counselor, I have a counseling practice and I see people come in and, and, uh, you know, I work to help them, but I, I recognize my limitation, you know, mm -hmm. my ability to meet once a week with this person pales in comparison to the holistic work that the Bible believing local church right. can have on one individual's life. Yeah. And so I think it's it's a it's essential for us as as the church to reckon with that and to realize that there is a desperate need for the people in our community, but also the people within our in the body. That people are naturally going to be going through hardships and suffering and we have to prepare ourselves right. to to really truly be able to meet them and communicate what God's word says about their real life. Yeah, You've, we've talked about this before, the idea that your profession, your job, um, your business exists because really the church has failed in recognizing what they bring to the table in terms of counseling. Right. I mean, um, meeting with so many Christians in particular, right? Like mm -hmm. the non-Christians, that's a failure in our ability to evangelize, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But but the Christians that come and see you, um, that's a result in many, many times in a, a, as a failure of the local church mm -hmm. to actually draw that person into worship, discipleship, ministry, mm -hmm. fellowship and Bible study, training, you know, uh, love, jo the love and joy and the peace that comes with being with other brothers and All sisters that. in Christ who are worshiping the Lord. You can't provide that, right? You right. can't, you right. know, 30 minutes once every two weeks or once a month mm -hmm. 
cannot possibly supply the need that that person has to actually see transformative change mm-hmm. in their life, I think is what you're getting at. Right. Absolutely. So when you ask the question, how do we reclaim this? You know, it's like we need to be able to establish uh, people who are uh, focused on this intent, right? Mm-hmm. To be established in God's word, holding fast to the scriptures, utilizing ministry to build individuals who can meet with those who are suffering and become a refuge for those facing the hardships that are mm. in their life. And then and then we want to reorient them and reestablish them back into body life. Yeah. And so, you know, churches aren't necessarily equipped to do this. Um, they have a desire maybe, and they maybe have all of the resources in place, mm-hmm. but um, maybe don't know how to approach the strategy, methodology, preparation for reestablishing a biblical counseling ministry. Now, um, in our church, we both attend Midtown Baptist Temple. Uh, we both work for Living Faith Bible Institute. But there's a story uh, of how our church established a biblical counseling ministry. We haven't always had one. Um, and I think we can use maybe that narrative, that story of, of what we experienced together, working together to establish that ministry mm-hmm. to help inspire pastors and leaders in other local churches to consider that this is a real possibility, that they they too can have counseling ministries that help meet this need. And so if we could just go back in time, give us a little bit of the, the history of how we decided, how we determined uh, as at, at our church at Midtown Baptist Temple that we needed a, a mm-hmm. counseling ministry and, and what it needed to achieve. Mm-hmm. Well, I, th- I think it started with a verse you know, I remember walking up the stairs to the lobby right outside the sanctuary and you you were standing there and you're like, hey, you need to see this this passage. And you handed me 2 Timothy 2, 24. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the servant of the Lord must not strive, uh, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. And this became this anchor and, and kind of a, a guidepost for what does it look like? This is the role. The servant of the Lord is the role of the biblical counselor. Mm-hmm. And so we really had, that was a, a lens that we were looking through when we were seeing the body of believers, like the, those that needed to be recovered, right. you know, from what, what they were ensnared in. And as the church body grows, you know, naturally there's more people that are going to be ensnared mm-hmm. going through hardships and, 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 and so we were noticing the need for that and kind of grappling with like, what does it look like to, to minister and, uh, and, and care for these people? It brings to mind uh, Moses, you know, in Exodus 18, he's talking, uh, he's talking to his father-in-law about, or his father-in-law confronted him really. It was like right. morning till evening, Moses was inundated with counseling situations. People of Israel like coming to him for wisdom and he was making judgments on what was going on. And his father-in-law was like, man, what are you doing? You know, you're, you're going to wear yourself out. This is yeah. too much. This yeah. is too much for you. And so he, he enc- encouraged him to train people, right? right? And so that really became like the, the, the guidepost, like, okay, so we need to train people who actually can sit with people and make judgments, you know, counsel people that, that are going through hardship. Yeah. And, you know, speaking as a pastor on, on the staff here, um, the ministry, the counseling load can be exceptional. And, it, you know, when it rains, it pours. So, you know, you mm-hmm. can have in a week, five to maybe 10 people contact mm-hmm. you and say that they need to meet. They need to meet it. You right. know, they've got some sort of issue that they're dealing with. And then and then because as the pastor, you're given to preaching and prayer uh, and then also just general shepherding of the flock, right? That that's the, those are the job requirements. If you're meeting with individuals for 30 or, or 40 or to, to an hour a pop, five to 10 times a week, yeah, suddenly like your week when is, do you have vision yeah, for anything else? It's a very, something. very difficult thing to do. And so then you have all of the staff pastors are going through this. What we were envisioning was something that would both meet the need mm-hmm. of the people, but also meet the need of the pastors. Yeah. Um, because it, we needed something that would relieve the pastors of the amount of counseling mm. that they were, were going through. But it had to be at the quality right. and, the, and the level that a pastor might be able to counsel. Mm-hmm. So that was really the dilemma. And then it was a matter of like figuring out, well, how are we going to, how are we going to do this? Because we didn't necessarily, like we can't, we both recognized that there was kind of a, that culture of, of, oh, I can counsel. And it was the type of counseling that wasn't meek mm-hmm. and it wasn't patient. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And so we knew that there was a bit of that that was inherent in the view of culture that a lot of people had. Mm -hmm. We wanted to create something that had patience built into it, that had shepherding built into it. And so we knew that that was a hurdle. Um, I I don't know if you remember how much we we talked about and thought about that. Oh my, yeah. And and it's, it's an important thing. Unfortunately, the church and, and, and even the the term biblical counseling has this negative connotation in the world, which is, is devastating. Mm-hmm. It's devastating because the, the church is to be, you know, we're supposed to be the city on the hill. We're mm-hmm. supposed to be a light. Yeah. Right. And the, we're not, you know, the world is going to hate us, right? The world is going to hate us. But when people are suffering and the world falls on people, we want the church to be the place where people seek refuge, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So in terms of looking and thinking about building a counseling practice, we want people who are that servant of the Lord that are that are gentle and patient, but apt to teach. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, in terms of how things progress from there, we kind of discovered that the first thing we needed to do was recruit. Mm-hmm. Now, the good news is we already had the Living Faith Bible Institute, and we had an introductory class on biblical counseling. Right. And so this became... This helped us. Um, it became kind of the entry point by which we measured who had at least gotten some training in this area, mm-hmm. and we began to recruit from there. Mm-hmm. And so, to maybe talk a little bit about the recruiting process. And I, and I want again, I want to make parallels between what other people and other churches can do, um, what they're capable of doing in terms of of finding people that are fit for this kind of work. Yeah. So I think we started doing that in like 2016, where we we sat down and we're like, okay. Oh, Okay, so what would it look like for us to build something like this? We saw a need. We saw that the pastors were were overloaded. You mm-hmm. know, you're talking about like how many hours. Well, you just think about how many hours you need to prepare to not only have vision for the ministry, but just the preaching and teaching. Yeah. It's like so much. And so we're seeing that that was just wearing down our pastors. And uh, so we started by establishing some goals. It's like, what does this ministry need to look like? Uh, needs to be dependent on the authority of Scripture. That's what we were seeing. Mm-hmm. That's missing in a lot of Christian counseling. Right. We uh, we we described how it's an it's needful for our job to be reorienting people from what's happening in their life and and framing them uh, back towards God's Word and and really utilizing the body of Christ as a place for healing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which doesn't exist you know, right. in Christian counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do this by speaking truth in love, which we're, we're talking about. We're, we're applying scriptures in love and we're comforting those that are suffering. I think of First Thessalonians 5.14, we discern the heart of who we're interacting with. So we're really, mm-hmm. we were building this basis of what does it look like to build this? And then we looked at the main goal. What's the goal? What do we, what do we want? Well, we want to see all men saved, 1 Timothy 2.4, mm-hmm. and we want to see all men and women to be fruitful, 2 yeah. Peter 1.8, right? So that's our goal. And that looks like us identifying the, you know, where does uh, the, the goals of discipleship look like, you know, in this setting and how do we redirect them towards like those goals to be mm-hmm. established in worship yeah. and in the word and established yeah. in, um, in the local church and ministry. So when we were looking at that, we, we said, this is what a biblical counselor in the confines of the local church looks like. They are a liaison. Mm-hmm. Their job is to join, right? To explore, to identify what the presenting issues are. Uh, we're looking to gain biblical insight and then giving biblical action steps to reintegrate them back into body life. Yeah. So that looks like us going, where do they fit on our path to growth? Mm-hmm. Now we're looking for... When we're, to answer your question, how do we recruit somebody that looks like someone who could do that? Yeah, yeah. Right? So people who um, uh, who have shown interest, you know, people who are in LFBI and have taken the Intro to Biblical Counseling class, that was our first, you know, we just kind of looked at that roster and said, who are these people who have shown themselves to uh, be interested and could be good at this kind of yeah, work? Yeah, yeah. And, and so, you know, part of that was obviously we had, as professors had access to the students that were successful in the course, we knew we knew who those people were. That mm-hmm. short that short list of top notch students, mm-hmm. but then also investigating 
the level of interest. Not everyone is built mm-hmm. for this work. And I think that's what we want to present right up front is that is that not everyone is inclined to counseling, even mm-hmm. though um, even though everyone should be a counselor. Mm-hmm. Everyone in our church should be equipped to counsel. Everyone should be learning the word of God so that they can provide a, a, a fit word mm-hmm. for people's needs. Uh, that's absolutely the responsibility of ministry and of every Christian. But mm-hmm. then there are people who are just shepherds by nature. They And they're maybe not shepherds from the pulpit, but they're shepherds in life. And when they engage with people, they're soft, mm-hmm. they're gentle, they're meek, the fruit of the spirit is on their life. And um, they're patient, they're listeners, you know? And so w- w- these are the kinds of things that we were looking for right. in the recruiting process. Yeah, it looks like, you know, uh, you know, 1 Corinthians four fifteen. it says, there's 10,000 instructors, but we need fathers. And that's what a counselor mm-hmm. is. It's a mother and a father. It's somebody who's you know, is wise and discerning and encouraging and empathic that they think they have the ability to think and feel their way into their disciples life or their disciples life. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're able to teach, you know, they find practical ways to, to communicate maybe difficult ideas and uh, they're nurturing, they're Mm -hmm. shepherding and merciful, you know, so we're looking for these people who are not only faith that are walking in faith, but they're faith filled right yeah. and and so that's really where we were we're looking at that roster and trusting God to build maybe a, something meager and small at first just yeah. something that we could like get our head around and and see what this could actually look like and it was, and it was i mean it was just a handful of people in the beginning and um, we knew that this was something that the need was greater than maybe the resource that we had at that moment right which is why we kind of turned our attention away from just like launching immediately mm-hmm. to to training, to deeper training. So we kind of took these recruits and then we doubled down on training. And this training eventually became the training that we offer in the Living Faith Bible Institute. Mm-hmm. Our labs, our, our counseling labs that provide people true practice in, mm-hmm. the, thing, in the things that they're learning, the biblical, pro, biblical principles that they're learning. And so maybe talk a little bit about the training process and what we brought those recruits into and uh, what, we, what we sought to teach them right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if the intro to biblical counseling class is like the, is theology, right? Mm-hmm. Of what does the Bible say about what does it look like to be a shepherd counselor, mm-hmm. what is this? And then, and then the the labs would be more of the methodology. This mm-hmm. is this is what we do, right? Yeah. And and so the the first lab is we're we're making our way through the uh, the self confrontation manual, and so this gives us hands on uh, just practical application of God's word on presenting issues in people's lives. And one of the things that we do in that class that it really puts people in the position of counseling is. We're teaching them practical communication tools. This is what it looks like to sit with someone. This is how you sit. Mm-hmm. This is how you listen actively. This is how you speak. This is how you explore presenting issues. This is how you engage and communicate insight from God's word. This is how we turn that insight into action steps. What, mm-hmm. do, what do we want to send them out with into their life and how do they apply it? And how do we assess if it's working? Yeah. Right? Yeah. How do we, you know, so we're really teaching them how not just a, a one-off uh, a counseling you know, situation, but what does it look like to sit with someone over the course of eight weeks and to yeah. really dig in and to understand the root and to uh, give them real opportunity to recover themselves and, and then reorient them back into, mm-hmm. uh, integrate them back into body life. So that was the, that's lab one. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is not, we realized pretty quickly that this is not an easy thing to get done because this requires very personal forms of assessment. In other words, we need to be able to observe people. Like mm-hmm. this was the, this was the part that mm-hmm. we had to bring in. It wasn't it was no longer a lecture setting alone, mm-hmm. which introduction to biblical counseling is. It's a, it's a lecture setting, it's philosophy and it's it's um, theology of of ministry of of biblical counseling. But now we had to get them get their hands dirty. Mm-hmm. We had to give them problems to work through. And then we had to listen to see if they were actually learning and applying the things that we mm-hmm. were teaching. And so uh, talk about that feedback mechanism that you developed and how that works in 
the lab, we do this in lab one, two, and three. This mm-hmm. is something that we've incorporated in each of those settings. Right. Explain that a little bit. Well, it progresses throughout the labs. Initially, we're introducing to them just the idea of uh, different counseling scenarios. Um, and so we walk through uh, like a, you know, just like this situation and, mm-hmm. and we let them work together in groups to see what, you know, how can we apply these tools? And, and we do, you know, in class, um, you know, like models, like, so I'll sit with somebody and we invite somebody in and I counsel them in front of them. We do timeouts and we talk about what could we say here? Mm-hmm. What does the Bible say about this situation? So it is very um, practical, you know, yeah. how can we really apply God's word to people's life? And, and so then we assess them, you know, uh, when it gets into the, uh, the later labs where they're doing mock counseling with another individual in the class. And we, we work through how to do that with them. And they, they create a whole uh, counseling plan based on the presenting issues the person has. And they provide their, their biblical references of how they're, you know, where they're taking these people and then how they practically move them through right. it. And they video it all, you yeah. know? And, yeah. and so we're really training and, and holding them to a high standard of uh, showing themselves approved. Mm-hmm. And so just, for our listeners, I, I want to point something out. Now, obviously, we, we, we want to advocate for the fact that these classes are available for people in your church. Mm-hmm. Um, we, want, we want to make Living Faith Bible Institute available for churches if they want their people to get trained in this way. But also what we're saying is that a church can train their people. The beauty of LFBI is that we want to help you with that. Mm-hmm. And so even if you're, you, you want to take a different path, um, it may be in your church, it's not feasible for you to, to, to um, do all this training. We want to help do the training for you and alongside you. But, mm-hmm. but in the case that you do have the resource and you do want to build something like this in your church, you want to be able to train your people. We want to stand with you in that and, and, feel free to reach out to us. We'd mm. love to provide you with the curriculum and the yeah. things that we're doing. Um, we want to see churches build counseling ministries. Right. And so uh, know that this it sounds daunting because uh, we took on a huge task, but but any church could do it if they if they really set out to do it. Yeah, I mean, I think the main thing I, I want people to hear is that like as we talk about it and you're honest with yourself as a, as a pastor, as a leader, uh, you know, as, you know, as a discipler, you have to, to see that there's a need. Mm-hmm. Like, and so, you know, it, it does feel overwhelming, you know, to, <clears throat> it's uncomfortable. Like, uh, I'd, like outsourcing something, you know, when, you know, we, we just remodeled part of our house. And it's like, I definitely outsourced peeling the wallpaper because <laughs> I don't want to do it. Yeah. You, you, know? you hired a contractor yeah. to help. Yeah, yeah, I'll pay. I'll pay you whatever, right. whatever, because yeah. yeah. I don't want to do that. Right. And I think that's true for us too. It sometimes it feels so uncomfortable to sit with people who are suffering that we outsource it and we kind of tell ourselves that that's that's going to be okay. And it might be. It might. It could be. But 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 it might not be. You mm-hmm. know. And and our people are worth it. You know, to yeah. be able to 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 minister to them. And I think we've seen the fruit of it too. It's mm-hmm. it's blowing my mind to see. Um, you know, training up. I met with one of our counselors yesterday. We do a supervision each month and met with one, one of our counselors and just to see what God's doing in our counselor's life. And to, I'm just like so encouraged by how this individual is pouring into multiple people and mm. the body and like these people's lives are being transformed and they're being, you know, fit back into like, like, church life and, yeah. and they're, they're thriving because of it. And yes, we, you know, it took us a lot of work to figure out like, what does it look like to train people and ask people to take time out of their week to, or month or year mm-hmm. to help yeah. someone who's suffering. But yeah. I think it's worth it. It absolutely know? is. So whether it be someone, you know, join us in LFBI or if I can just, you know, email you all of what we have and sure. you do it on your own, sure, you know, yeah, it's worth either it. either way. We want to see local churches thriving in the in this area. Mm-hmm. Um, now we so we've talked about kind of training, introductory training, introduction to biblical counseling, getting someone who is going to counsel, get them really established in what the Bible says about this topic and about the big issues about how to approach counseling from God's word. Then we did advanced training. We established labs, uh, Mm -hmm. lab one, lab two, lab three. We talk about addiction. We talk about relationships. We talk about depression and grief and anxiety. And we work through that. We model that kind of counseling. Mm -hmm. We teach people a manner 
of counseling. We teach them a methodology of counseling mm-hmm. in that setting. We're even developing things like a capstone for people who are really serious about counseling, who want to do research in the mm-hmm. area of biblical counseling. We're, we're, we're beginning to build classes that build uh, the, the, the kind of move a person down um, a long-term path mm-hmm. of ministry. And so uh, that's all really wonderful stuff. But to, but to get back to how it affected our church itself, we had these people now that were equipped and ready to begin. But we had to build a framework mm-hmm. to draw the people that need the counseling into that structure, right? right? Like we couldn't just open the floodgate and announce it on a on a Sunday morning, hey, everyone, we've got a counseling ministry now. Right, right. Everybody line up. Everyone who's, you know, sad this week, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right, line yeah. up and come get counseling. It couldn't be like that. Right. So we had to create a structure that began with referral. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe talk to us a little bit about the referral aspect of, of the counseling ministry. Right. Well, so right now we're we're doing, we do in reach, you know, mm-hmm. so we're, we're ministering to Midtown and uh, we we really want it. So we want to be a liaison, the, the counselors, a liaison. We, we don't want to replace any authority in the church. I think that's a, one thing that's difficult for pastors to starting a counseling ministry is it's like, well, this is my flock. And it's like, you're right. Yeah. You have to be a little bit hands off. You have to really trust the people mm-hmm. that are going to do this. And so our, you know, from the beginning and, and we will remain here that we are not replacing the authority of, of God's man, you know, the, the leadership. So, uh, it, it's all in tandem within that structure. And so we, you know, we uh, receive referrals from, from pastors, uh, fellowship leaders. Um, we, we, we found a way to create like a, a form that people could fill out online to request it. But within that document, there's that structure connection where they communicate what, you know, what fellowship they're yeah. in. And yeah, so the way it works is um, just to paint the picture for sure. the listener, we our biblical counseling ministry is not an outreach, as you mentioned, because mm-hmm. if we did that, if we opened it up the community, we would be inundated and we wouldn't be able to address the needs of our body. Mm-hmm. So the stage we're at, we are only offering this as an inreach right. to people who are members of our church. Uh, so they've already committed uh, their membership to this local church, and this is where they want to be fitly joined. From there, when a chronic need pops up, so as a pastor... I feel like I can handle the day-to-day needs. If it's going to be a meeting or two, I, I really feel like I can I can still handle a lot of that. Um, but then there's there are what we refer to as chronic issues, um, issues of tra- traumatic experiences that people haven't worked through, issues of long-term addiction, issues of long-term depression, um, grief counseling mm-hmm. that often sometimes takes a year or more um, for people to process um, Mm -hmm. issues of loss. There are certain issues that we knew that we know are going to be long-term needs. So what we do is we make a referral. We say, okay, here is a page. It's not a published page. Here's a page on our website. Go there, fill out this form on the form. They have to say that a pastor referred them. Like I spoke Mm -hmm. to this pastor, this pastor referred me. Mm -hmm. And then they give a brief explanation of what they're struggling with. Mm -hmm. And once that form gets submitted, maybe you can explain to us what happens from that moment. Mm -hmm. So it gets submitted to me. And then I work with the, whoever the pastor or the fellowship leader is that they had marked on the, on the form mm-hmm. to talk through what would be the, the best fit for them. I look at their availability and I look at our counseling roster, who here would be a good fit. And we prayerfully consider and, and talk through what would be a good, similar to like a discipleship pairing, mm-hmm. what would be the best person for this person at this time. And so we, there, there's a whole administrative chain of events that happened after right. that, where they fill out a longer intake form that gives more insight into what's going on in that person's life. And uh, then we pair them with their counselor mm-hmm. and we schedule a room and we we have uh, some documentation that they work through to assure that this is what they're looking for, mainly that they know what biblical counseling is and what it isn't. So this is a document that we had to you know, put together and we, you know, met with lawyers and yes. all kinds of stuff like that to make sure this is a sound. Yeah. You know. and, and to that point, there's insurance right. that's involved. You need to make sure that the, the church's insurance can cover that because, because if something did arise, mm-hmm. if, if, you know, God forbid something terrible did happen, mm-hmm. that the church would be protected or insured. Um, the lawyer is important because each state has different laws mm-hmm. regarding 
counseling. Right. And, um, and so, you know, for the state of Missouri, where we're at, we need to make sure that whatever we built would be subject to the accountability of the state, right. that we were, we were doing things appropriately. And, and so all of that was really important on the front end. Mm-hmm. Now you have this kind of agreement. It's a quasi FERPA agreement mm-hmm. that the counselor says that the meetings that they have with the counselee, counselee that these are going to be confidential. Right. But that the counselee has agreed to allow pertinent information to be shared with the pastor when appropriate. Mm-hmm. Which I think is also a way for us to to make sure that this is completely integrated with a local church philosophy of ministry. Right. Right. Yeah. Totally. And I mean, I don't. You know, I don't take confidential confidentiality lightly. I mean, right. it's so important for someone to to trust that they can come and talk to someone and not have to worry about that concern. And mm-hmm. um, you know, especially in, in any tight knit community, you know, there's you know sensitivity to all of that. And so we take that very seriously and we had to, we had to work through that and in terms of knowing what does that exactly look like, you know? And so we had a lot of meetings with all the pastors, all the leaders just identifying, this is what, you know, that looks like, this is when we communicate to you. Mm -hmm. And and we also communicate all of that to the counselee as they're, you know, lining up. And in the first meeting, we had that discussion of, this is the time that we would talk to a pastor about this. You would know about it. You would be a part of those conversations. So we, we protect their, their privacy, but also uh, we don't want to, um, you know, diminish the the value. Yeah, the integrity, the integrity of the local church and what it can provide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the show. We're going to pause right here for just a second so we can hear from one of our students from the Living Faith Bible Institute. My name is Blade Spiza. I'm from Living Faith Lee Summit in the Kansas City, Missouri area, and I just want to share a little bit about LFBI. It feels like commercial, and I don't want it to be that. I actually want to speak to you just as an individual who loves God and wants to serve God and give your life to Him. LFBI, though it may seem academic, is actually an opportunity for you to have an intimate walk with the Lord. And you know, you go through discipleship, you get involved in ministry, and, and as you continue to grow, God gives you stuff, and you begin investing in people. And a lot of times, uh, as you begin investing in people, you, you fail to get fed yourself. And so I know for me, as a growing leader in ministry, I've, I've found seasons in my life that are really dry. And LFBI has been amazing for me just to be reminded of, about how awesome the Word of God is and how faithful God has been and, and how perfect God's Word is for me. And uh, I would just encourage you this semester to, to take on a little bit more. Maybe you're thinking, I don't, I don't have time. <laughs> I, I'm so busy. You know, I, I feel like I'm just doing too much. I want to encourage you that LFBI doesn't have to be academic. You can actually approach God's Word devotionally in that time and trust Him to speak to you in the quietness of a classroom setting. If you're on the fence about LFBI, I just want to encourage you to get started uh, by signing up for a class. If you've never done it, I encourage you to to hop in maybe to a Bible survey class or foundations. Um, if, If you've been doing LFBI for a little while and you understand the workload, Take on a little bit more. Step out in faith. To enroll for classes, visit lfbi.org. To support LFBI, please visit lfbi.org slash support. And I think one of the things that I've really appreciated about the counselees in my ministry that people have met with is that the counselor will encourage them, you know, you should go confess this to the Mm -hmm. pastor. You Mm -hmm. should make them aware and so what it does is it produces very acute conversations. Mm-hmm. The counselor has already worked through a lot of the of the baggage and the difficulty of what this person's struggling with. Now that this person realizes, oh, here's the dilemma, here's the area of repentance, mm-hmm. here's the area of incongruence, then the counselor can say, hey, you know what you really should do mm-hmm. is you should go bring that to your pastor if it's necessary, you mm-hmm. know, bring that to your pastor, confess that thing, and then let them help you mm-hmm. in... W- what the next steps look like. We want to involve your pastor in um, your progression and your growth. Right. And I've really appreciated that. Other times these meetings happen and I and I know that they're happening, but I don't know anything about them. And then the person comes out on the other side I, and I've had very little conversation with them about it outside the referral. 
And then you see joy, you see victory, mm. you can see complete reconciliation. Man. You see people ministering in a way that they weren't before. Lives changed. And I, outside of just pastoring them as a father in the mm. church, um, I could I can see that the body did what it was supposed to do. Amazing. It is amazing. It's a it's a wonderful thing. I mean, the addition of this ministry has really revolutionized my work as a pastor. Mm. I work with 20-somethings. And a lot of them are struggling with all the things that we just talked about, you know, mm. all of the problems, like it's all there mm-hmm. and, and they're very impressionable and they're hurt and they're malleable. And to have counselors I trust come alongside us and, and help me with this work, it's been incredibly valuable. And it allows me to focus on the, the mission, right? right. The, the mission right. in terms of, of the outreach. And now I've got more ministers to help me with that work. Amazing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So they're not sidelined anymore by the hardship they're going through and limping along. And that's what, it's devastating because we, this isn't even just a church thing, but this is uh, just a, a, our our culture is that we front all the time. Mm -hmm. We're always putting on a facade that everything's okay. And we bring that with us even into the church. And I'm grateful for, that, that I don't feel that culture here in, in, in Midtown as I, you know, I hear that a lot because I've ministered a lot of people who go to, I counsel people who go to all kinds of churches. And I think there's an openness here that I haven't experienced at other churches, but nonetheless, we are prone to hide. And so to be able to meet with someone within the body and that person, so the counselor is able to encourage them to provoke them towards love and good mm-hmm. works and to encourage them to, to, you know, reconcile relationships, forbear what's happening in relationships to, to bring some confession or, yeah. um, or just to communicate, you know, like what's happened in their life and how God's transforming it. It opens up the channels of, of the relationship that we have and we can be unified. Mm-hmm. We can walk in one accord, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so no longer are they sidelined, but they're, they're ministering now yeah. they're yeah. in the game. Yeah. And just to illustrate that further, I, you know, I got an email just this last week from a young man for a long time. I've worried about just his ability to understand why he struggles, mm-hmm. right? Like uh, getting him to articulate, learn to articulate clearly where the areas of difficulty are for him. Mm-hmm. And so we've had meetings and after meeting, after meeting, but um, over time, he's really learned to discover how to clearly communicate with transparency areas of difficulty in his life. And so I just this week, I got an email from a guy who very, he just honestly and clearly said, hey, I finally have words for what I've been struggling with. This is it. Now that I know it, I can be accountable to you. And I want to be. Wow. Email email over, right? Like, yeah. And so that now I'm in a complete position of, of, I can actually lead this person wow. in a way that we both have words to explain what he struggles with. And it's, it's a really helpful, helpful thing. Man, words, I mean, I think that's everything. Like, you know, I think of words, like when we wrap words around something that's ambiguous, it's like a, a suitcase without, you know, an ambiguous feeling is like a suitcase without wheels or handles, you know, mm, yeah. when we put handles on it, it's like, you can, you can do something with it. You can carry it. It doesn't right. weigh you down. And I like what you said. Cause it's like, he was, he wanted to all along. Right. He just didn't know how to. Right. And it allows us to do Philippians four, you know, when we know what's going on, you know, when we can yeah. wrap words around it. Philippians four says that we can be careful for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, Thanksgiving. Yeah. Right now, now he can supplicate. You know, before he's just being anxious, just caring about it. Like what's going on, what's going on. So he can, he can access peace that's, that passeth understanding. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, So further, just in in terms of explaining the procedures and the processes, um, when our counselors are meeting with the counselees, they they document the work. Mm -hmm. And so that way there's accountability, accountability to you. You're Mm -hmm. the, you are our director of biblical counseling. Mm -hmm. Um, I pastor over the biblical counseling ministry, let's be honest, you do the majority of the work, but, but, um, I'm helpful to, I'm glad to support and be helpful in any way I can, but you are holding the counselors accountable Mm -hmm. in the process week by week. And so maybe someone meets with someone for six or seven weeks, Mm -hmm. uh, over a six month period. Um, maybe someone meets for a year 
Mm-hmm. Maybe someone meets for a year and a half, once a month for a year and a half. That's Maybe that's the commitment. How do they determine that commitment and how are they exactly accountable to you in terms of the documentation? Yeah, so we, I mean, this has been, I would say one of the most challenging things of what is it, how do we create this kind of structure that's sustainable and accessible, you know, you, you know, so we, we've done a lot of work to have the tech behind it to where we have everything confidential and it's behind multiple passwords yeah, and all that kind behind of stuff. Walls, walls yeah. and, and, and accessible to all the counselors, but not accessible to everyone. It's yeah. just been like a thing that we've had to figure out. But, uh, in terms of, uh, the protocol, you know, they, they create documentation for each meeting and that all gets filed away. And if you think of a file cabinet, it's like a, a you know, a, a cloud-based file cabinet that they keep all of this in. And, you know, it's accountable to me and that I have access to that. And I'm able to keep up with where they're at. We also have protocol in, in place where they reach out when, you know, a few sessions in to say, this is what's going on. They, they put all of this in their documentation. Mm-hmm. This is what's going on. It's a kind of a... a a counseling goal. You know, these are the things that we're going to be working on. These are the objectives. These are, this is kind of the presenting issue. This is the root issue. Mm -hmm. And these are the ways that we're um, anticipating uh, plugging them in back to, to the local church. And so we're looking to assess like how that progress is being made. And then, uh, then we determine what that will look like over time. So generally speaking, we talk with our counselors about the three stages of counseling. We have exploration, insight, and then action. And if you think about that happening all in one meeting, you explore what's going on. We gain biblical insight, we communicate it, and then we give them action. That also happens over the lifespan of the counseling relationship. The beginning is more exploratory, insight in the middle and then towards the end it's It's lots of action all action yeah yeah we're just trying to find behavioral patterns right how can we apply what we've learned in god's word to challenge you know the illegitimate solutions that you had previously yeah and so that can look differently for you know different presenting issues Mm -hmm. and different people you know so it could be uh you know a, a two meeting situation or it could be you know, two year situation. And we need to assess that, you know, as we go along, I think what we typically do is we meet consistently at first weekly until, uh, we really start getting traction and then we move it as quick as possible to biweekly and then monthly and then to as needed. Yeah. And so, um, and just kind of checking in when, you know, periodically to make sure that they're moving in the right direction. You've already hit on this a little bit, but just for clarity's sake, what does it look like for a counselor to discover that a counselee has, resol- a counselee has resolved their issues? Like what, is, what does victory look like? I know it looks technically, it's circumstantial because it looks a little mm-hmm. different for every person mm-hmm. depending on what they're grappling with. Sure. But as a whole, what do we look for in order to know that someone is finding resolution and that they're ready to maybe um, terminate the counseling relationship? Mm-hmm. Well, one thing that always comes to mind is we know it's working when they're worshiping, you mm-hmm. know? So when there's, when they're, you know, they, we see the fruit of the spirit in their life. We see the goals of discipleship in their life. We see them applying the, the homework, the, the action steps, and it's implementing fruit in their life. Mm-hmm. And we start to see that they're, you know, they're not coming in distressed. And yeah. so immediately when they're, you know, when they are coming in and, and they're, they're not overly distressed, then we already are starting to turn the corner to, you know, kicking them out the nest, right? Yeah. To, mm-hmm. Because we don't, we don't ever want to be there. Uh, we don't want to enable them. Right. The we, way that, the way that secular counseling does. Right. Because what you're saying is immediately what I'm thinking is in the secular counseling setting, or maybe in a Christian outsourced counseling setting, what a lot of counselors are looking for are, is this person happy and are they less anxious mm-hmm. or less depressed? Mm-hmm. It's a completely different set of goals than what you're describing. Like, right. are they fruitful? I mean, that's not a yeah. question that a secular counselor would ask. Is mm-hmm. this person fruitful? Is this person worshiping? Right. It's a completely different set of objectives. And when we begin to see those things, then we can say to ourselves, man, God's, God's been at work. Mm-hmm. The spirit of God has been at work here. The culture of therapy, it's, it's good job security. I'll, mm-hmm. say, I'll say that. I mean, it's kind of like, it's become like you're their guru. You, you, they just, they, it's like a weekly check-in where they, you know, and this is not everyone, but this is right. kind of what it's yeah. becoming, where it's like everybody has a therapist. This is the place where they talk about what's going on in their week. And, you know, I'm not minimizing that that work. I think that 
I think that there are people that are suffering and that we need that kind of support, but it's becoming this thing that isn't anything like biblical counseling. Right. Right. And so uh, what, what we're looking for isn't to make sure that nothing bad is happening in their life. In fact, you know, it talks about in James, it's like, you're going to go through hardship, yeah. Romans 5, glory and tribulation. Why? Well, it produces something in your life. So right. we're not looking to see that hardship isn't happening. And in, in a, a secular setting, well, they're always going through hardship, so you always need me, right? And I'll <laughs> yeah. be here, right? You know? Right. And and in our in our case, we have the most uh, significant holistic in treatment facility for free forever, right here. Yeah. Right. So my job is not to be your guru. My job is to help you rehabilitate and then get back in the game. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so. That's that's the main thing, and so we're mm-hmm. always looking to see: can you play today? Yeah, right. Can right. You, can you really? Because you're not. You, it doesn't work well for you, for me, or for us for you to be sitting on the bench. It just right. It's not going to be good. Yeah, yeah. That's really good. And like I said earlier, we're seeing we're seeing those outcomes. Mm-hmm. We're seeing people get victory, and this is not a perpetual. These counseling meetings aren't perpetual. There is, there is resolution and there is application being had and people are getting back into the game and they are doing ministry mm-hmm. and, they're, and they're being fruitful in a way that they weren't before. And that's the testimony that we have um, surrounding that ministry. So just in terms of, of further explaining the work of continued training, right? So um, walk us through what you do in, in lab one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. But then also talk about your quarterly meetings and how that plays into the the ministry team itself. Like okay. you you have regular check ins with the team to reinforce things. Explain how all of that kind of works together. Mm-hmm. So we have yeah we have lab one two and three. Lab one as I shared earlier is is really introducing people to methodology. Lab two we start jumping into more specific uh, situations. We talk about marriage and family a lot. How like what does it look like to do biblical marriage counseling? What does it look like to minister and, and counsel families? Mm-hmm. You know, in addition to that, in lab two, we are introducing uh, more in-depth communication tools, and that's where we're sitting down in front of the class, and we have whole class periods where, uh, apart from lecture, they're observing me counseling someone. We're we're hitting pause, talking about it, and mm-hmm. so we go yeah. into that way. And then in lab three, we're going through trauma and grief. So we're diving deep into what does it look like to counsel somebody who is uh, going through some severe hardship, you know? And then there's some connection between the two of those. A lot of times, people who have been traumatized or gone through a traumatic event uh, experiences lingering grief afterwards. And mm. we're diving into what that looks like and how to sit with people who are suffering. So that is that is the content and the, the labs that we offer. Yeah. In addition to that, you know, as you were talking about, we're, we're picking counselors from that and, and inviting them into the ministry. And there we have a quarterly meeting. We call it our refresher. We actually have it tomorrow Mm. uh, where we sit down and we talk about relevant topics. Uh, A lot of it's open-ended for us to be able to to discuss what's happening uh, in the counseling ministry, how to, how to practically apply different counseling communication tools. Uh, So we, we visit different topics in that setting Mm. as well as just the administration of the counseling ministry. And then we also do monthly supervisions and that's an open ended uh, meeting zoom meeting for anybody in the ministry to jump on and talk about what's happening in a counseling situation. Again, those are all confidential. So we're talking uh, vaguely about the individual, but really getting into understanding and conceptualizing right. what's happening. What, what do I do if they have said this and this is the issue? Mm-hmm. I, you know, I haven't, I don't have a full uh, understanding or perspective on what to do next or what to say next. Can, mm-hmm. you, can you help me walk through right. that? Yeah. Right. And it even, it, it, I really enjoy those too, because it, it, it's opportunity for us to develop them as a counselor as well. Mm-hmm. So understanding what's happening for them in those settings and um, working through uh, mm-hmm. refining them as, as individuals. And so it's, it's a enjoyable time to, to sharpen. Yeah. What does a, a church do if they decide that they want to have a biblical counseling ministry? Now we, we told them our story and how we went about training, but what should they do? Um, can they reach out to you? Um, do you have, 
you know, do you have information that, that, that they can have? I mean, I basically want you to tell them how open-handed we are. Yes. Yeah. Yes, please. You know, I, the first thing I think, you know, every church is different. Every community is different. And uh, we first need to assess the need. It's like, mm-hmm. we'll, you know, look at the flock, see what they need and, and trust God to start to put the pieces together it can feel daunting. We just want to help. You know, I, I, I feel personally invested in this because of, you know, just what I see, you know, every day in, in mm-hmm. my work setting, you know, uh, at, at Sound Mind, we get to help people, you know, out in the world. It's an opportunity to minister to people uh, of other communities, other churches. But I see the, how limited it is. And my heart is for churches to really take back this yeah. uh, thing that we've lost, you know, the, the ability to counsel our people. So we really just want to help. You know, you can reach out to me at Jonathan at SoundMind.live. You can email me, we can talk, I can, we can set up a mean just to talk about it. We can mm-hmm. send you the material we have, or you can, uh, you know, join us in, at, at the Institute. Yeah, jump in. Yeah, and I think from my perspective, I, I think that if you don't know what to do, a great place to start is just by taking classes with us mm-hmm. and seeing fully what we're talking about. You know, uh, our time together today is, is no um, replacement for the actual training itself. And so for leaders, pastors and leaders to get trained in mm-hmm. this um, will be incredibly helpful for them to know how to build out something themselves. Mm-hmm. And so that's the, that's the invitation as well as mm-hmm. we would love for people to join us and, and get training here if, if that's the necessary next step. Yeah. The main plug would be, yeah, come join, join us. We'd love to, I'd love to have you in class. I'd love to, to get to know what's going on at your church and to help in any way we can. We have, um, the intro class and the three labs and we're building more classes as mm. we speak. And so it'd be a great way, even if you, you know, you're not, maybe you already have a, a counseling ministry at your church yeah. or um, maybe you want a, 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 a training arm for your church, yeah, for your counselors. Uh, we'd love to be a part in any way possible. So lfbi.org sign up and would love to have you. I think it's The labs are cool online. You know, we have integrated it to where people yeah. can participate live and it works surprisingly well. Everybody's involved. And so even if you're not in the Kansas City metro area, don't be shy. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things we should probably point out is that the labs are not archived that you can't, mm-hmm. you can't participate throughout the week the way a lot of our other LFBI right. classes are. Um, in the lab setting, there it's required attendance, live attendance, mm-hmm. because we want to have that engagement with you. So interactive. Right. You have to be there. We're, we're talking you know, uh, through things as we go. Yeah. So. But that's the beauty of it. That's the value of mm-hmm. it, is that you're getting that in the moment feedback. And, and uh, I really think you've done a phenomenal job. Uh, you and Josh O'Hora have done great um, building those classes. I'm, you know, as someone who's working with the academics of the school, I'm very pleased and, and happy with the direction of the program. And so thank you. And thanks, Man, thank you for being here. Thankful to be a part. Yeah. Love you, bro. Love you too. And we want to thank you for joining us uh, today for this episode of The Postscript. Uh, we hope that anytime we get together and we have these conversations that we're providing someone insight. And I think one of the things about the show, everybody's got their favorite episodes and their favorite people that I interview and the topics go all over the place. And, and maybe that's like... Maybe it's too much, <laughs> like maybe you know you tune out if it's a topic that you're not interested in. But I think that's also the beauty of the show is that we're providing conversations about every area of ministry and uh, every area of theology and every area of, of missions that we can touch on. And, and so uh, we're hoping that it's profitable for you. We're hoping that there's leaders today that are listening to this show and they're saying, you know what, I need to grow in the area of biblical counseling. I need, I need to, to be more proficient. I, I need more training. And, and LFBI is the place to get that training. We're hoping that there's pastors and leaders who are listening and saying, you know what, it's time for us. You know, uh, I'm stretched thin and and I've got the the resources available. We've got a strong discipleship ministry. There's no reason why we can't have a biblical counseling ministry in our church. And that's the next step. And so maybe that's what you're saying to yourself. Uh, no matter what it is, uh, LFBI exists in order to be a help and to be a resource to you. Um, this school is not a for-profit school. We're not 
uh, striving to build anything amazing. Our classes are $40 a credit hour for crying out loud. We're, we're, we're basically doing the whole thing uh, for the cheapest we possibly can. But we're here to stand with local churches to see you do ministry well and do it in a way that's biblical and do it in a way where everyone, when we stand before Christ at the judgment seat, he can say to us, uh, well done, good and faithful servant. That's the objective of the school. And so if today's show interested you and you want to learn more, please visit lfbi.org. We would love to talk to you more about classes. Uh, you can meet with an advisor and an advisor will guide you and tell you what the next steps are for you in terms of your growth. But we love you and we're grateful for your time with us today with me and Jonathan. We hope it was a blessing and we can't wait to spend more time with you again next week for another episode of The Postscript. God bless. Thanks for listening to The Postscript. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a rating and review in order to help other people find our podcast. If you value this show, please help us continue creating content by supporting Living Faith Bible Institute at lfbi.org support.